Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Bright Shift Podcast. I am Leila, the founder of Bright Shift and your host. This is an episode that encourages us to look further beyond physicality and matter and explore the different ways that this universe is trying to not just communicate, but guide us. We have all experienced some form of synchronicity or meaningful coincidences. What do they mean and what is their significance in our lives? My guest today has dedicated years of research to explore this topic. Dr. Cynthia Cavalli was an aerospace engineer for over 25 years. Interestingly, she comes from a solid background in science, and she somehow ended up discovering a path which science has not been able to fully explain yet. Deeply passionate about inner development, Dr. Cynthia has developed a unique approach which integrates Jungian psychology, complexity science, shamanism, and mythology. Dr. Cynthia Cavalli is a dream and synchronicity coach and transformation consultant based in California. She has published papers and book chapters on organizational and personal transformation and has conducted workshops and presentations at conferences internationally. She also participates as a board member for several nonprofit agencies serving underrepresented communities. You can contact Dr. Cynthia via her email, cynthiacavalliconsulting at outlook.com. Dr. Cynthia, thank you for joining me today. It's a great pleasure to have you on this podcast. It's very nice to be here. Thanks for having me. So the topic of synchronicity or meaningful coincidences is one of the areas that you are specialized in and have an extensive research background in. Please tell us, how can we recognize synchronous events in our lives or what is the definition of meaningful coincidences? So I'll give you a simplified definition based on what Jung called. It's something, synchronicity is what happens when you have an inner event, a dream or a premonition or a hunch or an image. And that is matched in outer reality by some event. And there's no way for one to have caused the other. So for example, I know a therapist who was treating a man with marital issues and he wasn't taking them seriously enough. And in frustration, the therapist just threw his arms in the air and said, your marriage is like a car wreck. And as he said the words car wreck, there was a loud car accident right outside the window. And the coincidence of the therapist's words with the car accident right outside shook them both up completely. They were very shaken up. And, you know, what really shook them up was the therapist saying, car wreck didn't cause the car wreck it was outside the building you know and the car wreck didn't cause the therapist to say the words car wreck there was no meaningful connection I mean there was no causal connection but the connection was meaningful so that's an example now this the example I just gave is simultaneous but it doesn't have to be simultaneous it can happen sometime later does that make sense Yes, absolutely. Um, But then do we attract these events? Or, I mean, how can we make a distinction between law of attraction and meaningful coincidences? Oh, that's a really good question. And it gets confused quite a bit. They're not the same thing, but they're not 
unrelated either. There's an idea from much older times known as the sympathy of all things, which refers to the way everything in the world is ultimately connected. Or you could say the interconnectedness of all things, which is a phrase that we mentioned earlier. In this way, the idea of the law of attraction speaks to the way in individuals may draw themselves draw to themselves people things happenings that are meant for them so you can there is this idea of that the things that are meant for you you attract them to you so that events and things come together meaningfully but it's not a matter of will it's not a matter of my ego drawing those things okay now meaningful coincidences are things that happen outside causal influence. There again, it's not about will. You can't make a, a synchronicity happen. And this can also happen by being by this drawing in, by the sympathy of all things. So the law of attraction is real, but maybe not quite in the way that is popularly conceived. I'm talking about this way of thinking about the universe or the world as something that responds to our human whims and desires. You know, people will say, oh, the universe wanted me to have this or, you know, and and not it's not all the time wrong, but it's not about your ego and what your ego wants or your human plans. It's about something bigger. It's it's more aligned with fate and destiny that we may not even know what that is, right? Okay. So um, so in a more ancient way of thinking, each of us comes into the world at a specific time and place with highly individual tasks. So why you're here is different than why I'm here. What you do, your talents, your gifts are different than mine. And yours are necessary and mine are necessary. And we come into the world at a certain time and place to learn and also to share our gifts. And that constitutes something of our fate and our destiny. And synchronicity seems to be part of that larger plan, part of that design. Do you mean um, we kind of attract the uh, things that are happening in our lives based on, when it's based on law of attraction, we kind of attract them to our lives ourselves, like through our will, or through imagination and different such means. But when it's a meaningful coincidence or um, a synchronicity, then it's gonna happen either way. It's something that it's meant to happen for us. And it's not necessarily related to our will. Well, I don't think either of them are related to our will. I think the law of attraction is not about our will. It's about a larger design a larger design in nature, a larger um, plan that nature has, a larger harmony that nature has, a larger pattern, the way that nature works together. And nature has plans of her own. I'm going to use her to describe nature. Nature has her own plans. We're humans. We're small. And what we do matters, but not in the same way that what nature does matters. And nature is the is the great connector right and sometimes she's harsh and sometimes she's benevolent and it's not that we don't matter at all but we're not it we're not the big thing we're not the only thing we're important 
but we're not it, right? We're not the central thing. And so to the extent that we're part of that plan, then we draw to ourselves the things we need in order to fulfill what we are here to do. That's how I, that's how I explain it. That's how I understand it. And I think that has merit. I, I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that way. I think that, you know, you pay attention to how things unfold for people. So you see your best friend over here, they get everything, you know, everything comes to them so easily. You go in there and it's like, nope, it's not happening. <laughs> Why is that? Or you see somebody over here, nothing works for them. Well, I think it has to do with who you are and why you're here, who I am and why I'm here and what I'm doing yes. in the world. And sometimes the the way to uh, grow is to be told no from being told no. Sometimes you grow by being told yes and give, getting resources and you grow that way too. That's one way. We're not all the same. Things are going to happen for some people and not for others. And all of that you can learn from any of those things, if yes. that makes sense. Yes, yes. So we all have our own unique circumstances and nature or universe uh, responds to us based on that. Do you think that there are specific phases in our lives where we encounter these kinds of uh, synchronicities more frequently? Yes, yes. Um, so I've been in the research that I've done, it seems that there are times in our life we go through phases where life really becomes challenging and almost everything seems to be falling apart, right? And then there are other times when everything seems to be going our way. Life itself seems to move in these transformation cycles and we can learn the same lessons over and over again. And it follows rather than circular, it follows kind of a spiral so that every time you come around to the same lessons, you're now at a higher level that you've learned it. You know, So it's a spiral that continues onward and upward. And the times of crisis, when things are really falling apart or when things are really coming together, those seem to be the times when synchronicities are heightened, when you start to really notice a lot of them. And it's helpful if you keep a notebook and write some of these down and keep track of them. Is that my imagination? Did that really happen like this? the series come together? Uh, they can also come in dreams. There was one year when I had uh, so many dreams and very vivid and colorful dreams. And I kept a journal and it was before I was interested in Jung or anything. And I kept a journal and I wrote down every dream. And that year, most of those dreams literally came true in literal fashion. And I, when they were happening, when I was having the dreams, I didn't think, oh, this is a, this is a prophetic dream. I didn't, they seemed like just regular dreams, except they were very vivid. And I wrote them down and then later on, they would play out in real life. And I was just amazed at how it tracked. I met my husband that year. I dreamt about him before I met him. I dreamt about my stepdaughter before I met her. I dreamt about the place where I would be living, about the job I would have. There were so many dreams that came. I don't know why they came, but I can tell you how it made me feel when I realized what was happening. I was able to see that I was my life was not random. It had a direction, even though I didn't know what the direction was. 
it had a purpose, even though I didn't know what the purpose was, just knowing that, that these things were out of my hands, but they were leading somewhere was very comforting. And I was able to allow them to happen and to go wholeheartedly into the next thing, you know. Yeah, that's a really uh, beautiful, you know, way of looking at it. And I think it is one of the main messages that these meaningful coincidences are trying to tell us, which is life is not random. So um, I know you have researched this topic for many years. Can you give us like maybe a few more examples of these meaningful coincidences, either from your own life or your clients? Okay, sure. So in my life, I could talk about, you know, I mentioned that meeting my husband, meeting my stepdaughter in a dream. So before I even dreamt about my husband or met him, I had a dream where I was watching a television and it was a very special television and it was in somebody's house that was a stranger I didn't know. I went to their house to watch in this television. It's a special TV that told you about your life. And there was a strange woman next to me watching also. And I didn't want to know my life, right? So I was I was avoiding looking at the TV because I thought, no, I want my life to flow and be a surprise. I don't want to know what's going to happen in my life. And the woman next to me said, you should look because your daughter is in there. And I thought, my daughter, I'm not even married. And then when I looked, she was a teenager. And I thought, she can't be a daughter. I would know if I had a daughter that old, right? Wow. So I wrote the whole dream down and I described what she looked like. She was about 14, tall with dark hair. And, and then two months later, I met her father, who I didn't know that was her father, but I met him and I didn't know that I would marry him. But shortly after I met, met him, I dreamt that I was getting married. And I thought, well, who am I marrying? I'm very happy in this dream. Who am I marrying? And it was this man that I had just met. I thought, oh, I can't marry him. I just met, I don't know him. I just met him. And why am I so happy with this man that I don't even know? You know, <laughs> and I thought, well, dreams can mean lots of things. They can mean, oh, maybe we'll collaborate on a book project or something, you know? So I thought, okay. And we went out for coffee and dinner and then he was a wonderful man and we started dating and then wow. eventually we got married and I forgot all about that dream about the daughter, you know, and then two years later I found it and I was reading it to her and she said, that's me. And wow. What a fascinating story. <laughs> uh, so to get a conclusion for the question that was, do you think there are specific phases in our lives where we encounter these kind of events more? Um, so the answer is that perhaps when we are going through a difficult phase? I think, yes. I think when, so it's not just that it's difficult. It's that there, there's a old alchemical recipe that says solve at coagulate. That means very roughly translated to things dissolve and coagulate, meaning things fall apart and things come together. It's a cycle of life that things follow. It's a transformational cycle and it continues on and on and on. And we go through ongoing cycles of things coming together, things falling apart, things coming together. And that's how we evolve and grow in consciousness. So we may have periods of stability where things have come together and we're, we're learning, things are moving along. They're in a kind of a balance. 
and then you'll find that things are no longer working. That life seems to have outlasted its usefulness. And now maybe you lose your job. Maybe there's a pandemic. Maybe maybe your marriage doesn't last, or maybe somebody you very close to you dies and it upends your whole life. And it just feels like everything is falling apart. And then you don't know what you're doing. You're in this place where you, it's profound not knowing. Everything you thought you knew just doesn't work anymore. That's what I mean. It's in times like that, then you'll get synchronicities. And it's like they come and they nudge you back onto your path or remind you who you really are, or they make you wonder. You can get caught in the routine of work and maybe you have children and a family and you can get caught in that routine and you forget maybe who you are, why you came. And then synchronicities will come and kind of nudge you back on that path and remind you. It's not about all of these other things. Your life is not necessarily about those things. Here it is. Here's what it is. And it gives you a chance to think about it and reconnect with your real purpose again. That's really interesting. So I know this question will be a very general question, but why do you think these events happen, the synchronicities? Why do they happen? My guess is what something that I kind of said just a minute ago, and that is to nudge us back onto the path of who we really are. So I think when we're born, we don't know who we are, you know, or when we come into this world, we've forgotten whatever, maybe we existed somewhere before, maybe we came from heaven. And, but when we come into this world, we don't remember any of that anymore. We just are here. We don't know who we are. And we have to learn. We have to remember who are we? Who am I? And, you know, in a family, let's say you have three sisters and everybody will compare you to everybody else. Is that who you are? No, that's just what people say. But when we are small, three sisters, by the way. Are you really? Is yes. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, you know, this the struggle with sisters is I'm not you. That's that's you're that. That's this is me. I'm not like that. Or sometimes you might want to be like your older sister. Maybe your older sister is perfect in that everybody compares you in school. Oh, you're so and so's sister? Oh, are you smart like her? Or or you're pretty like her, you know, they compare you and and you have to learn. You might grow up thinking that's who you are, but is that who you are? Probably not. And it's only when you go away into the world on your own that you start to realize, oh, I'm not the things I thought I was. This is who I am. This is what I like. I don't like what my sister like. I have other tastes. I have other interests. I want to be, I don't want to be a doctor. I want to be a teacher. I don't want to be a, a, a teacher. I want to be a scientist, you know, and you go out and you realize who you are and life happens and we got caught up and then we can forget. We can kind of fall away from our real path, original path. Or maybe our path changes. Maybe that's who we were supposed to be at one point, and now that's not that's not right for us anymore. And now we've life wants something else from us, and then synchronicities come to kind of nudge us onto that path of where we're headed or who we're supposed to be in the next phase. Yes. So um, these events they're kind of trying to help us uh, transform or in our growth journey 
you're trying to guiding us. This is the answer that I'm getting um, from your description. And do you think we can also view them as a calling to accept and come to the realization that we and this world are more than a physical matter, that there is energy and consciousness? Yeah, I think so. If I understand your question correctly, I mean, I called it fate or destiny, but it would certainly involve our calling as well. And this is highly individual. Like we said earlier, it seems like each of us came into the world with different abilities, different perspectives, different goals. You can have twins come into the world at the same time. They're born at the same time and everything. They have the same parents, the same home, everything. But they could have different tastes, different interests, different. They could be the same also, but they could very well have very, very different things. And it makes sense that we each have different callings. And the way you find it is by paying attention to what you're passionate about. So in figuring out what we're passionate about, figuring out our real purpose, feeling is really important. And I'm not talking about opinionated feeling like, oh, I think this, I think that, not that kind of feeling, but feeling that comes through your body. When you're doing something, maybe it's something you've never done before. Maybe it's something that you never thought you'd ever do. And you do it for the first time. And you think, oh my gosh, I love this so much. This is so much fun. This is what I'm supposed to do. I love dreams. I love working with dreams. And I've always loved working with dreams. But the first time I ever went to a real dream retreat with other dreamers and a dream shaman, I was blown away. I thought, these are my people. Where have they been all my life? I never knew that these were my people. That feeling that you get when you're doing something and you love it so much and you know you were made for that, that's the feeling I'm talking about. When you find that Maybe for some people, it's being a mother. You know, people talk about how transformative that experience is of having a child. Maybe that's it for you. Or maybe that's part of it, but not all of it. You know, you can be consumed by motherhood, but maybe there's something else you want to do. So that's, I think that's how you find it. Um, is this how we can uh, use them to um, kind of understand the meaningful coincidences or interpret them like if someone is uh encountering these uh synchronicities should they look deeper and try to see what these events are trying to tell them are they trying to connect them with their life purpose and guide them should they refer to their feelings toward that event to interpret them or how can we interpret these events so i think first of all when dealing with synchronicities for the first time it's important to acknowledge that something is going on, something is happening that's not the usual thing. And, and pay attention. We tend in our culture to dismiss things like that and say, oh, you know, um, it must have been my imagination. Or, you, or maybe you're so caught up in it and then you share it with someone, maybe your husband or your mother, and they poo-poo it. And then that just kills you, you know, because this was something so from your soul and you shared it, and they're like, oh, that's nothing. That's just your imagination. And that can be very deadly to that deep feeling that was awakened. 
So then you become careful about who you tell and and that becomes deadening also. So it's a learning process, learning to talk about it, learning to know who you can share things with and who you can't. You can't just tell everybody because yes. people will think you're crazy. And you learn to be judicious about how you talk about it. But you have to carve out a space where you know in your heart this was real, this really happened. Maybe you keep a notebook or a journal and you talk about how it made you feel. Now, along the way, we're not going to know. There's going to be a period where we stumble around. And actually, I still stumble around. I mean, the thing about the things that happen in life is that life, who is a guide, and the psyche, who is a guide, they don't speak human language. They speak in symbols and images. And it takes time to learn how to understand that language. And it's okay because if we make a mistake, it's like a dream. You have a dream and you try to interpret. I don't know. This is strange symbolism. Somebody was eating a cat. What does that mean? Or, you know, I made that thing about that up. But what what could that possibly mean? If you try to use only your head, we're made up of what way more than our head. If you try to use only your head, it's going to come off sounding like nonsense. But if you sit with it and pay attention to it, the dream will reveal itself to you. The symbol will reveal itself to you. And if you get it wrong, if you make a mistake in how you understand it, the dream will come and correct you later. You'll get another dream or another something else will happen. And it'll kind of, so it's kind of an iterative process where you take a guess and you think, I think this is it. And you see how it makes you feel when it hits you. You're like, oh, this is it. Maybe that's it for a little while. And then later on you'll go, oh, oh, that was not quite right. It's a little bit more like this, more like this, you know, it's a process and you undergo it, let yourself undergo it. And if you can't talk about it to people around you, if they are too dismissive or too harsh, then you do it privately but you do it. You don't let them dictate what you do and don't do. If you know in your heart it was real or you feel in your heart that it was real, then honor that because this in your heart is more important than what other people say. They have their own path. You have yours. You have to honor your own path. You have to honor your own soul. And synchronicities will honor that dialogue between you and your soul. I think it's important that you mentioned these meaningful coincidences. They don't always come to us in a direct way. Sometimes they come to us in a symbolic way and we need to look at the symbols. But how would you recommend for someone who is not so familiar with working with symbols to kind of, you know, get it and start to uh, develop this connection in understanding the symbols? Well, it's helpful to read uh, mythologies and fairy tales. So there are books that are like stories. And even though they're not exactly the same, fairy tales are more collective stories. They're about, uh, they, they kind of are about a timeless realm, but they're, they're highly symbolic. And so if you start to, if you listen to a fairy tale, you think, oh, that's an interesting story. And sometimes they have a funny little twist or something absurd happens. 
And if you're only listening with your head, if you're only paying attention cognitively, you're going to get one level of the story. But there's so many other levels. We are so much more than just our cognitive thoughts and abilities, right? There's there's our emotions. There's our feelings. There's what we sense. We've all been somewhere where somebody is telling you something with their words and your body is feeling something very, very different. And so this process of learning to think and understand symbols involves our whole being. And really, it would be nice if the cognitive part of your mind shut up for a little while so that the other parts of your body can, your other parts, your other parts of knowing can have a chance to shine. Like if the sun is shining too bright, you can't see the stars at all, right? And if it would be dim, then you can start to see, oh, the stars have something to say too. They shine also. So in that same way, when we approach symbols and begin learning how to understand symbols, you want to allow your uh, the other parts of your consciousness and your um, awareness to also participate in the process. And then you'll have an experience of how this feels. You have a dream. How did it feel in the dream? How did you feel? Were you excited? Were you terrified? Were you elated? Were you grief struck? All of those things tell you something important about what the dream is trying to convey. And so you pay attention to all those things. And it it takes time and it takes practice and it takes commitment, but it's so worth it. Absolutely. That was really helpful, Cynthia, when you mentioned that we are usually just used to use our cognitive abilities to understand things or to understand life. And I think our educational system around the world is all about cognitive development. Whereas we human beings, we are, you know, we have so many different layers and we are so complicated and there is not much focus on um, understanding the world on emotional level or on the intuitional level. And I think, as you mentioned, understanding the symbols or understanding our dreams and these uh, synchronicities is very much related on how much we are trained or used to communicate with the world um, on an intuitional level. Here it comes my next question, and that is, you know, as we live in the digital age, I'm sure many of us, including myself, uh, we are coming across these uh, synchronicities online. So do these uh, synchronicities that we come on across on the internet count as well? Should we take them seriously? Or should we just be aware of the synchronicities in the real world and ignore the ones we encounter in the virtual world? So could you give me an example of what you mean by synchronicities online? Yes. What would be an example? So basically, um, you know, if I've been trying to make a decision on something and I have been doubtful, I'm not sure if I should do it or not. And then I may be on Instagram or Facebook and then I suddenly may see a post that it's completely and directly giving me an answer 
or is kind of guiding me, trying to show me which path is the right path or which decision is the right decision to make. But I don't know, it seems a little bit strange for me to know that, oh, these meaningful coincidences are working also in the digital world. So I'm not sure. Well, I don't actually draw any distinction between synchronicities online or in the rest of life. It's all the world. It's all part of reality. And it's all people, whether they're online or next door. It's humanity, right? Those are real people. Now, I mean, so that might be the distinction there is whether these are robots or the bots, you know, trying to play on our emotions and take advantage of us. There, I would be very careful about what's going on there. But other than that, I don't see a distinction because that is the real world. And life will use anything or the psyche will use anything to get her message across right or if you believe in god you can say god will use anything god will use any means to send a message to us about do a little more of this and a little less of that or here's the real thing you've been looking for you've been missing all along i mean it can come in a fortune cookie even you know you have a question in your mind and the universe is like your playground and that these are exercises that we do in some of the um, companies that I work for, or even workshops that that I've participated in or that I've led, where you have a question in your mind, and then you go out into the world, you kind of are asking the world, this is my question, talk to me, and the world will respond symbolically through the things that you encounter. And then it's up to you to put it together. Does it mean this or does it mean that? That whole process of trying to figure it out is really helpful. Sometimes we get it wrong. It's okay. We maybe get it very wrong. Well, we learn from it. When, when it's wrong, you find out it's wrong. It's like, okay, it wasn't that. And then you know next time, okay, I was so sure in this way. That was the wrong attitude to have. Now, let me just not be so sure. Let me just wait and see how. I can be led to what is actually more true for me. It's a process, but I don't draw any distinction between what happens online, um, except in the case where you might, you, you have to be careful because there are, there are charlatans online and people trying to take advantage of our innocence or our, our generosity. So other than that, I would say, I would say, yeah, you can use what happens online. Oh, great. Um, so I can trust the messages that I receive online as well. Uh, but you mentioned, you know, in your workshops, you kind of teach people how to use uh, these meaningful coincidences to find certain answers. Um, here it brings my next question, which is how can we be mindful of synchronicities, but without being obsessed with them? or gravitating towards superstitious beliefs and starting to interpret everything as a meaningful event. Right. And, you know, in the beginning, so it reminds me of when I was a little kid and I heard a new word and then I would use this, that word it was a new word. I'd never heard it before. And so next thing you know, I'm using that word all the time. And most of the time I'm using it completely wrong. Right. 
that's what kids do. And my parents would laugh and laugh because it's completely the wrong use of the word. And synchronicity and learning about anything actually is a little bit like that. At first, you're so excited and then you see it everywhere and you may really be seeing it everywhere or you may be just overdoing it, right? And it's okay because pretty soon you'll find out sometimes you might even go out on a limb and then you're made a fool of because you look like a fool because you were so wrong. But everything teaches you something about what is and isn't synchronicity, what is and isn't meaningful. Yeah, you just go out there and try it and do it. And, you know, it's a process and just be patient with yourself and don't be afraid to be wrong. I mean, you don't want to tell everybody, oh, look at me. I've got this figure. This cool thing is going to happen. Watch, watch. It's going to happen. You're going to see it happen. Don't do that because that's not how it works. It's not about a showy thing. It's about an inner thing, an inner connection. And that is never showy. You know what I'm saying? It's not about proving the ego, right? Oh, I was right. You know, I knew, I knew it was going to happen and it happened. I'm so right about this. It's not about that at all. It's a quiet interconnectedness. And if the more wise we become, the more we're able to realize, okay, this can unfold this way. You want to be in the flow of it yes. and let, let it lead you. Yeah. So Adric Warriors experimenting with them and trying and testing to sort of learn how to interpret them. How about the repetitive numbers that um, a lot of people notice? Um, I know many people are talking about it. Like, what are your thoughts on the synchronicities of number? Well, so I'm not especially well-versed in that area. I do have lots of experiences that happen that involve numbers, but everybody's is different. Some people have tremendous synchronicities with numbers, very unusual numbers, you know, and uh, there are other researchers have focused in this area more and done more research on it. And so they would probably have more to add. For myself, what I noticed is that There are certain patterns that show up. So this is just how I've worked with it. And there are many more sophisticated ways of working with it. And I think there are many more sophisticated, um, um, how to put it, ways of working with numbers like sacred geometry and uh, numerology and things like that. And so I'm not quite talking about that. and, And it's also important to realize that numbers are not just quantitative they have a quality to, they have a qualitative aspect to them. So it's, if I got a number that kept repeating, I would pay attention to the qualitative aspect of it because that's part of its symbolism, right? But what I've noticed is that, um, so here are the numbers that show up for me. My birthday is on November 26. So 1126 is how it's written here. And almost every day, I just happen to look at the clock 1126 it'll be 1126 and it's crazy why I mean I'm so engrossed in something I'm not thinking of the time and I'll just happen to look up and it says 1126 or another number I get is 1111 on the clock or or 1212 I'll get so what I started to realize is I I don't know what the meaning there is I could spend some time but it would be a little bit uh forced for me to spend time it'd be a little bit cognitive right 
But what I did notice is, is that when I look up and I see 1111, I feel like, oh, I'm on track. Or I look and see it says 1126 or 1212. I'll be like, oh, I'm on track. And sometimes I look up and it'll say 1125. I'll think, oh, I'm a little early today. I'm a little ahead. Sometimes I'll look up and it'll say 1127. Not often. Usually it's 1126. If I see it, it says 1127, I'll think, oh, I'm a little behind. I better get with it. You know, that's my little way of working with it. Great, great. So I think they everybody... do require our attention because numbers yes. are energy. Numbers are yeah. not just... Uh, some quantitative figures, um, each number has its own frequency and energy. I, I think so. I agree. And numbers are also archetypes, you know, and they are symbols. So they have, they have tremendous information inside all of that and, and wisdom. And, you know, it's a big thing. It's not just Oh, the number one, it has a lot of meaning. The number one, the number one is also one. And then you can multiply it many times and get lots of other numbers, but it's also about unity and, and singularity. I mean, there are all kinds of meanings associated with the number one. If you have one thing happening in your dream and the number one is featured, well, that has a meaning. If you then have a dream and there's two things and they're identical, what's happening there? It looks like something is doubling or something is coming into consciousness in a new way that was not conscious before. Something is emerging, right? If you see three things, what could that mean? There are many possible reasons and meanings that it could have, but you can start to look at the qualitative aspect of the number three and how when you have two out of that two, maybe you get a third position that's transcendent to it or something like that. These are possible meanings. It yes. may not be the meaning of your particular experience of the number three. You'll have to figure out what that is, right? Yes. That would be that would be what I would recommend people to do with, with number dreams. But I'd also encourage them to read about the research in number dreams and or number experiences. Mm, or uh, numbers in general. Saying. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, some people are saying if you understand numbers, you will understand creation. So um, there is so much more into numbers. Uh, Cynthia, would you like to share anything else with us with regards to uh, this subject or any other areas of your expertise and research? Well, I feel really blessed to have come into this area of study. And I, no matter how many years I've studied it, I still feel like a beginner. There's so much to learn. There's so much to experience. You can only learn as much as you're able to take in. And sometimes it's slow and sometimes it's like an explosion and you get things all of, all of a sudden, all at once. And it's fantastic. This has been my, this is my favorite subject ever. It's been such a privilege to learn about it and to experience it. And it feels like living in an amazing, magical fairy story, better than any fairy story that, I mean, that the synchronicity is something that happens in the world is just fantastic because from my scientific background, life is supposed to be random. There is not meaning except that comes through humans 
so it has been such a privilege for me to learn about this the subject and I can't talk about it to a lot of my old colleagues because they're like ah she's got a little I'm in California so people are like oh you know those tricky Californians uh, bullying all kinds of things but I thought Californians has, are open really to these kind of concepts Californians are but other people will say oh she's from California they're they're oh, okay. crazy the there, you know, a little crazy there. <laughs> <laughs> other people will say that. But there is a there is a story that you used to tell that I feel illustrates how this just a little bit of uh, a little glimpse of how this world can be. And it's um it's a story that his friend, that this happened to his friend, Richard Wilhelm, who was a well-known sinologist from the first half of the last century, so the early 1900s. And Richard Wilhelm was in China, and there was a certain province there that was experiencing this tremendous drought. And it was so bad that hundreds of people and hundreds of animals died. And in desperation, the people of that province sent for an old rainmaker who lived in the mountains nearby. And so Richard Wilhelm watched as they carried this tiny old gray bearded man into town. And then when the man came, he asked to be left alone outside the town in a little hut. And after three days, it rained and even snowed. And it was just amazing. The rainmaker got it to rain and even snow. And so Wilhelm, Richard Wilhelm asked to for permission to interview the old man. And then when he was with the old man, he asked him how he made it rain. And the old man said, I didn't make the rain, of course not. But after a pause, he added, you see, it was like this. Throughout the drought, the whole of nature and all the men and women here were deeply disturbed. They were no longer in Tao. When I arrived here, I also became so badly disturbed, it took me three days to bring myself again into order. And then he added with a smile, then naturally, it rained. And I love that story because there, there are so many reasons why I love that story. But this was not a fairy tale. This was something that actually happened. And it just illustrates that deep interconnectedness, that Tao aspect of life that life can have. And harmony is not where everything is static and nothing is changing. It's not a static, it's dynamic and it's powerful and it's life-giving and generative and it's full of potential for life to unfold and to keep becoming and for consciousness to transform and grow and synchronicity is part of that connectedness beautiful beautiful and i loved it when you mentioned that you know harmony is not that everything is perfect and everything in its place well yeah i think we're not here to be perfect we're here to make mistakes and learn and grow and out of that growing our consciousness expands and i think that the the heavens or whoever it is in in the heavens learns through us our experience helps a lot of others maybe that we don't even know about 
not just here on earth, but other places too. So the things that we suffer, the things that we experience in pain, the grief that we suffer, even the joy that we experience, all of these human experiences serves consciousness and the expansion of consciousness. And synchronicity connects us and brings us to these experiences that we can live them and really embody them and suffer through them. And then out of that, we all achieve something really beautiful. I don't know what it is. That's how it seems to me. Yes, what a great message to take um, from this episode uh, with these words that you mentioned. Thank you so much, Cynthia, for being here. Um, it's been really enriching and inspiring, and you carry so much wisdom. And I cannot wait to uh, have another episode with you very soon. Thank you so much for having me, Leila. I really appreciate it. And to our listeners, I would like to thank all of you for the support you have provided us so far by sharing, subscribing, and rating this podcast. It all means so much to us. And to know more about all of the services that we offer at Brightshift, please make sure to visit us at brightshift.co. Thanks for being here and see you next time.